I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Bo Schwartz with your Core Daily. It's not a minute, it's just daily. Um, time for a shift in topics for me, finally. Diablo 4 got released, and I have been playing quite a lot of it. In fact, if you've listened to the Core Podcast, you know that, or the Grinding Gear Podcast with Garrett and Kyle, you'll know that uh, I won't even stop playing while we're recording a show. And uh, the good news is today I hit level 100, uh, which was my goal um, in the hardcore mode, uh, meaning, you know, if you die, your whole character is wiped out. Goes to the Halls of Remembrance, if I remember correctly. Um, and what spurred on this unique challenge is Blizzard issued a kind of an interesting marketing campaign to take the first 1,000 players to cross the finish line at a level 100 and emblazon their name on a life-size statue of Lilith that is probably going up, I assume, at Blizzard HQ. And I thought, you know, it'd be, it seems sad, like, that my name won't be on there. I played a ton of hardcore in Diablo 3, love Diablo, been looking forward to this game forever. Only comes around once a decade, but, you know, people uh, who play uh, ARPGs competitively are pretty hardcore, um, there tend to be marathons, there tend to be spreadsheet and build heavy, a lot of pre-planning involved, a lot of what on the exterior might look like boring repetitive gameplay, deliberate farming because it is the best EV for XP per hour or for farming, whatever it is you happen to need to be farming. So I don't think I really wanted to do that, but uh, after some encouraging comments, I decided, okay, I would do it but I'm going to do, need three teammates. And uh, three teammates, in fact, did step up and volunteer, and that's I mentioned them on the show, but again, that's uh, from the Frog Pants community, Sean Obi, Lockvine, and Ziggurat. And Ziggurat, uh, he's all the way in Australia, so he even committed to a weird timeline. In fact, he didn't even know what this was all about. <laughs> he just saw that we were going to have a good time and volunteered, and he's great to play games with. Um, anyways... Uh, so I had the team, but I decided maybe 48 hours, 24 hours in advance, I had very little time to do any research or take it seriously in terms of preparation. Um, even given that I was working basically at my day job up until launch, 
which was a mistake. I should have taken the Thursday off. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have a lot of time to, to study, but what I wanted to do today was just show you my build, my strategies, cause I did make the top 1000. Uh, I spent my vacation, uh, including weekends, a total of 10 days straight playing from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, sometimes not really going to bed at all. And, um, I believe in gamer culture, they call that no lifing. And I've had my share of marathons over the years, playing a week straight to get CR5 and Planet Side. Shout out to all my Planet Side homies, Planet Side 1 homies. And, um, you know, playing 48 hours straight on Overwatch beta weekend when it was first uh, released and feeling really lucky to get into that beta and never wanting to put it down. Um, and, you know, Diablo 3 was, was, of course, a game, particularly in the Reaper of Souls era. I played, uh, stayed up way too late playing. Um, including the hardcore mode. Um, but what I found interesting today, actually, is, you know, uh, I mean, I ran out of time. I contacted my manager and I was like, listen, I'm in this competition and it's weird to explain, but I need another day of vacation. So I'm just going to take it. So I played all day Monday and then I did not go to bed. And, um, and I'm like, listen, I'm just like, I'm just one level away. I'm going to be a little bit late for work. Um, so I really grounded out. I was very concerned and this is sort of maybe a little bit of a criticism. Understandably, the leaderboards are not in game yet, but, uh, it would be nice if, um, Blizzard had posted somewhere in their forums or some accessible place, uh, the leaderboards, because, you know, as soon as a thousand players hit, then I could, I could have relaxed. I, I had no idea I was in the dark. So I just kept playing and playing and playing, hoping that, you know, I was still in contention, which as it turns out, I was, um, towards the later end of those 10 days, um, I did discover a site made by a community member called d4armory.io and they were using, I guess, Blizzard login API, it seemed like legit stuff to track hardcore players, but it was voluntary. So if you didn't sign up for it, maybe it wasn't a complete list, but I think anyone that invested eventually found it. Um, it seemed pretty accurate based on what Blizzard finally released as their numbers. It kind of lined up somewhat, uh, you know, not exactly, but you know, within the 200, within a hundred range. So it was nice to finally get some validation that like, oh, continuing to work on this was going to produce a result. And so I kept playing. However, I don't think I want to do that again for a while. The leveling process in Diablo four is quite long. I don't know if that'll be the plan once seasons arrives and, faster ways to take care of things emerge. So, but, uh, as it stands 10 days, solid, um, two of those days, four hours or less of sleep. Cause I'm, I'm crunching. I don't know where anyone, everyone else is at. Is it okay for me to take an eight hour sleep and not feel like I'm falling behind? I don't know. Um, and certainly when shroud and his team, or was it? No, Zizaran and his team hit after four days. Uh, then I was like, well, now that the first person's hit, it's only a matter of time, but I think they were on some next level planning where they clearly, we're not going to use the E word here, but you know, they clearly planned very well and coordinated very well and got their victory, um, within the, you know, within, within the operations of the game, which as I understand it got nerfed. Um, there've been a couple of those things. I think there's been some loot dungeons as well for solo farming that have also been nerfed. I noticed that happened because I took a gander in a few of them, uh, found it tedious, 
but did it for a little bit, but um, didn't really get a lot of advantage out of it. And then only the next day to find that these things also were actively nerfed uh, by the devs or hot fixed, I guess you could say. Nerfed and hot fixed, probably both. Um, well, no, there's a couple patches too. It might have been patched. Anyways, I don't mean to get hung up on that. Uh, so I'm very tired. Um, I did not sleep at all last night. I'm on hour. Well, I'm on about 48 hours of weakness. I want to make this video. It's going to be rambly. Might be a little, a little longer than your average core daily. But I did, you know, I was excited from all the attention that I received today. So this is the long way of saying, like, uh, you know, I play a lot of Diablo, but my feeling about, you know, in-game Diablo, like, usual Diablo, it's a smaller viewership. It's a smaller niche. Like, the Diablo releases are always very big. It's a well-regarded franchise. But, you know, this, the kinds of people that are grinding out greater rifts or doing D2R runs even now... Um, it seems to me it, it's a maybe a smaller uh, subset of the overall uh, people who might enjoy this game. Um, but still, uh, so when I tweeted out today that, you know, I did it, and I, I estimate based on D4 Armory that I'm the 336th person, which means I'm going to get my name on the little statue. Um, uh, I didn't expect quite as much positive feedback as I got like I've never had a tweet liked this shit <laughs> not that I want to make it about a tweet but like man that's insane it's just insane it's just an insane reaction I find um I switch over here you know like damn uh like you know 1457 likes like that's 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 crazy you know it's just look if you go to the d4 hardcore thing i expected it to kind of be like this like people are posting as per the terms their their wins or not their wins but reaching you know you know it's it's like it's a contest entry thing i don't know if there's a good one here but here's one you know made it to 100 hc character name battle net id whatever you know like here's another one i expected it just to be something like this but then like damn y'all like uh throw a ton of likes on there and um you know not that i don't know it just made me feel really inspired and i wanted to make uh, more of a video uh today so um right so i just wanted to go over the items that are basically like in my build because people have been asking uh you know how did you get there uh what items did you do it definitely it's a whirlwind barb i certainly got some some cheeky comments about whirlwind barbs shouldn't be belong in a competition blah 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 but you know i did half of it solo and that's where it bears mentioning that i did have a group for the first 50 levels <laughs> and it was a lot of fun that lasted about two or three days and uh one by one the fellowship basically fell um Unfortunately, uh, I think Ziggurat was the first to go, and he made the classic mistake of, I feel really powerful with my friends playing. Let me go do some solo content and then realize there's gaps, maybe in the armor or the defenses or so. You know what I mean? Like the dynamic changes, maybe. I don't know really what happened, but I just think, uh, you know, getting a, a bad situation. Like if you have a tank running in, you get into some habits, you're like, oh, this is pretty su sweet, and then all of a sudden those are now being directed at you and you need to adjust your build for solo play. So I think a mistake along those lines probably happened there, and I'm sorry. I was sorry to see him go. 
I think Lockvine ran out of time. He was going for a Guinness record uh, to stay up the longest, playing the most hours straight, and he was pretty much exhausted and yeeted himself into a nightmare dungeon that was way above his level. Um, so, you know, uh, still sorry to see him go. Would have loved to have had him all the way to 100. He was very fast and efficient and found all our altars of Lilith for us. Uh, was very proactive uh, helping the team out and was a huge advantage to have, uh, with us in the early stages. And I'll talk about why that's important in a second when I talk about how I got there or my strategy to get to where I got. And lastly, we had Sean Obi, who I apologize to again. It was just down to me and him. And um, we were, you know, again, I... I had an understanding, so basically in Diablo, everything's at your level, except for some content. Uh, Hellfire um, instances will be, you know, uh, a level or two above you. And Nightmare Dungeons can be set to any level based on the tier of dungeon you're setting, so you set your own difficulty there. Um, in the community, I've heard it discussed that the ideal experience benefit uh, versus efficiency of clear might be three levels above. You get diminishing returns trying content four or more levels above, uh, meaning that the XP gains aren't really worth the, and particularly in hardcore, the risk of death you'll be taking on, um, or just simply what a slog it'll be to chunk through health pools that your gear won't get through. But I mean, if you can do 10 levels above, do it. You're just not benefiting quite as quite as much uh, from that level disparity. Uh, so you can't, you know, for example, in Diablo 3, you know, you, you start a level 1 character and you just get a level 70 to invite you, have them go to the hardest level that you can go. You just sit in the front entrance and you're pretty much 70 in, in no time, less than an hour, <laughs> maybe even maybe even 10 minutes. You know, like, it's not really working that way. Everything's scaled even within the party to the player. So it's it's kind of to combat, I imagine, power leveling so that there's meaning uh, to people making the journey from zero to 100 is sort of my, my 48 hours awake brain thinking about that design choice. And, uh, yeah. So, um, unfortunately, I, I pushed it. Was, I wasn't super clear on how far we could push things. I think we only pushed three levels, but it might've been a little more. Uh, we hit, um, I can't remember which, I think it was definitely one of the, uh, swampy dungeons. And we hit the, what I call the VR chat room where you're just kind of locked in with a bunch of avatars that want to talk to you. <laughs> and, and well, they just want to attack you, but it's just, it's an enclosed secondary location in, in the dungeon. And, uh, it, got, it gets kind of wild in there and tons of poison. And we had a panic moment. Um, I saw my health go down, 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 down from poison, from damage. Uh, all my recovery options were not cutting it. I was just kiting the enemies around the room. Um, now, we, I had failed to communicate my strategy ahead of time with my teammates on this one, but there is an item. So there's two key, there's actually three key tactical items, but one of them I never ended up using uh, for hardcore. I mean, you can use them in softcore too, though I doubt many. I think most people will just die and resurrect in place i don't even know what the option is in software <laughs> i think it's res you can resurrect in place if not resurrect somewhere nearby um you have two key options to escape um that i used which is one you pre-pot with a uh, there's a i just call it cheat death elixir but it's elixir of death evasion 
Um, you farm mats out in the open world, and this gives you a buff that lasts 30 minutes that uh, when you hit zero HP, you have two seconds of invulnerability. Then you can't use one again for five minutes. So, you know, what you might do there is heal, but it's not really going to save you if you're getting blasted and uh, you have no way out. I mean, hopefully you can run away. In the open world, maybe you can mount up and get away, but you're probably most likely to, to be dying in dungeons, not so much in the open world, I would think. So, um, it's not necessarily going to save your bacon, but it is a, you know, it is a get-out-of-jail-free card. And who knows, they, you know, there's some controversy around it. It's like, it's not hardcore if you have that kind of thing, but... It's full of magic. It's a world full of magic and contrivances that don't make sense. I'm actually okay with having kind of an oh shit button and uh, it being a bit of work to get, especially um, in that, you know, it doesn't heal or do anything major. It just staves off death because some of the cheat deaths like in D3 would have additional advantage. You might get a bit of a heal off out of it. This literally just involves you. Um, but what I had failed to discuss as a strategy that I was doing was there's a second item called Scroll of Escape. And if you put that on your wheel, like your press E on the keyboard, I don't know what it is on controllers, you can actually assign consumables. So I would consume cheat death, uh, the, the elixir of death evasion, because maybe if I didn't have one on and the situation was looking hairy, I can just pop it quickly because you can't put it on your hot bar on the bottom. So that's the closest way to have it, just quick access without having to go in your inventory, press E, move the mouse over the, the consumable, click it, then you got the buff. And then I also have the scroll of escape, which you I don't know if you'll find them in softcore, but they exist, and that's an instant TP back to town. So I quickly realized, I'm like, I think I have actually, yeah, I did it. And, well, I didn't actually have, I didn't actually have um, death evasion on. So, so I saw the situation get hairy, and I'm like, I told him, I'm, I'm going to scroll of escape. I'm getting out of here. But that's not a great time to tell somebody about an item maybe they didn't hear about or you didn't, you know, give them some advice and plan for it. I also had that on my hot bar. So he had death evasion triggered at the same time as I pieced out. And here I was assuming that he also would have had a scroll of escape handy, which I, I don't believe he did. And, you know, he, he the death... What are you going to do? Death evasion saves you for two seconds. We have 50 monsters over level on top of your face. Like, it's pretty much GG. And that's what happened. So I feel a little bad about that, and I apologize to Sean Opie. Because um, I think he could have made it... He did, We definitely would have made it the whole way. He was playing a, a druid, of course, with the earthquakes and the crazy business, and it's all the rage. Um, and we would have uh, definitely, uh, you know, I think gotten through the content and the farming a lot faster had, had I not made that mistake. Uh, so... He was a good sport about it, but I still do think it's it's a little bit on me. Anyways, we're already at 17 minutes, so uh, I'm just going to talk about, answer some questions, or just show what the build is. I just want to talk about the build. I mean, I don't really have a particular thesis I'm working on here. Um, so, you know, the early levels basically were like, you know, 0 to 50. We played the... Um, we basically played the campaign. Uh, we did some side, we picked up side missions, but only did the ones that were convenient because we were racing and it just felt slow to go out of our way and just be completionist. However, um, importantly, if you press W while you're on the map screen, you will get this. And these um, skill points are tremendous value to your skill tree. Um, so I identified getting them early was something that was worth uh, taking. Um, some time to do. In addition, once I got to uh, completing the campaign and got to end game at 50 plus, 
going to world tier three, I did make a priority of obtaining all my Paragon points. Um, having a boost of 20 Paragon points early, it makes a massive difference in power level just because you can reach a powerful node sooner rather than later and was worth the time loss, I think. I mean, as we get more, as this racing gets more and more into a science, there will be an ideal path that people will likely advise or players will likely advise. Um, but still, something to keep in mind if you're looking to make a hardcore character. Uh, always safety first, gather power safely. It's very safe to gather these paragon points because you could even do these in side dungeons and objectives and lower tiers and do them quickly you don't have to do them on world tier three or four you just got to do them so um very important another thing to note you'll notice i have them all claimed and yet i don't have them all filled out this was an assumption i had made during play that in fact turned out to be wrong um, you do not have to complete everything to complete the list. In fact, I've now completed more. I had a lot less in here and still the list was done. So by getting as many altars as we could, waypoints, we cleared out all the strongholds as a team because it was fun content to do. We got XP while doing it. Lot, there's lots of value in trying to do that. I definitely encourage it. We were able to get our skill points and we did some side dungeons, some side quests. So basically, um, I went uncovering areas, finishing some side dungeons, and mainly doing side quests uh, at, at endgame to fill out the renown progress or the region progress and get all my points. Um, now, mostly the campaign, you know, I talked about the beginning strategy, the later strategy, the endgame. The activities consist of a few things. Um, one, there isn't one up, but there's a hellfire, they're helltide. An area, two zones, two to three subzones in like a country, in a country, let's say, will um, become red. They'll be rained with fire. The monsters there will be one to two levels above you. And as we said, fighting monsters above you is definitely better for um, experience. It's sort of intended at level. It's decent, but if you want to make good gains, you want to place, you want to fight monsters slightly above you. That guarantees it. Um, there are also these things called Legion events that pop up. I don't think there's one up at the moment, but Legion events will crop up. And if you meet the level requirement for it, I definitely recommend that you do that. Um, the last thing is doing the Nightmare Dungeons. Now, Nightmare Dungeons, what I realized in World Tier 3, uh, you do want to get them maybe to get some glyphs, do some easy ones, but you don't want to necessarily be far... You know, you can do whatever you want. It's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure, but... Um, they're definitely a lot tougher earlier than later. Once you're working on in World Tier 4, you have powerful gear, you have Paragon points, um, you're able to handle the content a little more capably. So just some advice on that. Um, so going over the gear, uh, people were, were gear and abilities, people were asking about the build. So the build I used was um, in the low amount of time I researched, I didn't realize this guy was going to go on to be number one uh, in softcore, but there's a guy called on YouTube called Rob206028. I'll show you that here for a second. Um, I had heard, you know, Whirlwind Barb was discussed in some of the content I'd come across, and um, I'll be, no shocker that they're, you know, uh, having played Barb in the beta, I knew that Whirlwind was present and probably going to be a thing. 
Um, so yeah, spin to win. I mean, I'm trying to race. I'm not trying to have the fanciest, uh, bragging rights on build. I know sometimes it's it, some, it comes with some disrespect. Like it's very much a one, it's not a one button thing, but it is kind of like all your power is in one ability and you just kind of paint around with your mouse as you do the damage. Um, it's certainly pretty straightforward as far as uh, playing it, uh, at least the damage output side of things. There is some interesting nuance with uh, the shouts and when to use them, which is a little... I don't think that was as much of a thing, let's say, in Diablo 3 as it is here. Um, the shouts, because the power level of all abilities is a lot lower, the shouts are more critical. They provide They provide a lot of different utilities. And the one trouble you do get into sometimes is you want... A shout for one of its features but then it's off cooldown and then you don't have it for another feature which i'll sort of explain in a second but anyways rob 2628 i watched this guy's videos before the whole thing before the race before he got his world first and i never heard of this guy before this run but he seemed to get some views so i'm sure he might have been someone with someone good to say and um you know i watched some of his videos and I thought, uh, yeah, I would do that. And he has good links in the description of his videos to Excel spreadsheets and to build guides. Uh, so the basis of what I built was thanks to him. So I want to give that credit there because as I said at the top of the video, I decided to race two days before. <laughs> and, and apart from my beta experience, which uh, was not very conclusive as to how I would do a hardcore race, um, I needed some guidance and I got it off him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so on to like the so I'll just go over the, the the skill tree now the skill tree is not quite what I had um, initially I've made adjustments as I've gained a power level I've I've traded some stuff out but it, basically the gist is you know early on you're probably gonna want to um, actually have three points in lunging strike I have two right now because I don't use it um, sometimes I swap it out if I'm fighting basically is it Kezix, the the boss like if i get mana uh, rage star for some reason this is a rage generator i can swap it out mid combat you can swap out skills mid combat if something's on cooldown it'll be on the cooldown of the last thing you press so if there's a 40 second cooldown on something you put lunging strike on it you still can't use it for 40 seconds but you can swap abilities out mid combat um but lunging strike it has been one of my favorite abilities on barb that's sort of new which it's a teleport. It's kind of like Monk's dashing strike in a way, but on the um, but you have to use it on an enemy because uh, I think dashing strike you can just opt to teleport anywhere in Diablo three. But um, you have, you have to do it on an enemy. But it's a nice gap closer. Sometimes one of the toughest thing being melee is just you know if the enemy has a kiting pattern. Enemy AI has a kiting pattern of some kind. It'd be kind of irritating getting to them. Like, you want to know how to hunt down a treasure goblin? Just keep clicking lunging strike on him. He'll never get away from you unless he gets to a certain range. Um, but we've got movement speed to make up for that and all kinds of other tricks like leap. But anyways, um, yeah, lunging strike, great. Uh, whirlwind, you'll see it's 9 of 5. It's over leveled because of a unique item I have. But generally, you'll... You'll want to spend a lot on Lunging Strike. I actually started in the early game with a Rend build, so I didn't actually have Whirlwind. I had I had some Rend for the first uh, 30, 40 levels, but I made the transitional Whirlwind pretty much towards end game. So I actually wasn't a Whirlwind Barbarian the whole time. Uh, the bleed effects are pretty strong in this game, but they are slow. Uh, so, you know, if you're fighting an elite that's blasting you, 
you might have given it enough da uh, damage to kill it, but there's vampiric effects, there's uh, modifiers that add health, so you can't just walk away from it. You might still need to stick around and make sure it's finished. So while it's kind of fancy and fun, it's also a little clunky. Um, incidental bleed, I think, is better than direct bleed, but still, I played Rend in the early bit. It's very strong in the early game. Um, and I was also using upheaval for a little bit in the early game. Upheaval is the strongest, uh, one to 10 ability anyways, but for end game, we went with whirlwind. Um, it's classic. It's fun. It's very mobile and you can clear a lot of content, uh, attacking while moving rather than having to stand and attack. And that's one of the advantages that whirlwind has over anything else under the core list. So, um, we basically did whirlwind it channels, um, deals damage all around people. Uh, and so you see here while using a slashing, so we have um, two modifiers here. I have the enhanced whirlwind. Again, a fury each time it deals direct damage to an enemy. This build wants to generate lots of fury because we want to spin to win infinitely. So this helps. Um, and then we use we use nothing but slashing web. Actually, I've said it nothing to a two-handed sword to do this because the two-handed sword has higher base damage, and um, it will inflict a bleed. So. It's, this is important to the build that when we do damage, we inflict the bleed because other effects will trigger on an enemy that's bleeding, including damage against bleeding targets. Uh, next up on the list, I mean, I'm not going to go into super big detail, but on the on the bar, I would keep Rallying Shout, or Rallying Cry, I guess I should say. This is a battle shout, though. As you can see, there's some keywords, defensive shout. It may matter. Um, this gives you uh, bonus resource generation and movement speed. You're basically taking it, taking it for the resource generation, but additionally, it, um, with the modifier that grants you unstoppable, as a barbarian, a melee, one of the only really nothing but melee, true melee class, uh, the biggest um, irritants are like slows and stuns and things that keep you from doing damage, get you rage starved. Uh, gets you killed essentially so unstoppable is hugely valuable here uh, you'll see on the gear too why it's even better and then we want to generate some fury and additional resource generation while it's active we're trying to generate a ton of mana for our whirlwind to keep it up uh, next is uh, i'm going to skip to challenging shout challenging shout is a defensive cooldown um you gains that you get damage reduction not armor or uh, resistance but just flat damage reduction which is calculated after uh, solid pickup. Um, also, when it's active, you get we get some active life, and uh, when it's active, we get three fury every time we take damage. So again, we're building fury. Um, now, personally, where my build sort of varies is I actually stuck with iron skin. A lot of builds pitch it. Um, it had to do with the itemization that I got, which I'll show you in a second. But um, and well, basically, the items I didn't get that the build I was referencing sort of was necessary for. So I kept iron skin up. Uh, it grants you a barrier, which, you know, there's a few, there's a lot of, there's three different life types, as far as I'm aware, from the barbarian's perspective, you've got fortify, which is an additional temporary health pool over top of your regular health pool. Uh, and a barrier is like a, basically an additional energy shield, condom, whatever you want to call it, another health pool over top of everything else but it's not life. It's just barrier absorption. And it generally only lasts a specific amount of time. Um, whereas the uptime on fortify is as long as you can keep it up. And, and life of course is permanent unless you lose it taking damage. Now this one here, uh, iron skin absorbs more, uh, maximum life. That's helpful. And, uh, uh you, you know, we want to get a bit of base life 
as fortify just to keep us resilient. So there's a bit of healing attached to casting it as well. Um, particularly, I have a piece of gear that I'll show you that when you cast Iron Skin, it grants you Unstoppable. And if you remember, um, you know, Unstoppable is also something we have here. So that means crowd control effects can't affect you. Um, not just breaking out of them, but it'll pre-cleanse anything that's incoming while that Unstoppable buff is on you. So this also doubles up as a source of Unstoppable. Um, challenging shout reduces uh, reduces the damage or sorry taunts enemies, which can be useful in certain situations like events, um, or if you're playing in a group, which I was, gets them off your squishier teammates, and you get a bunch of damage reduction um, per person, like from the targets that are taunted. Um, and also when it's active, we're going to get some bonus max life, and uh, we're going to gain three fear each time we take damage. Moving on to the brawling skills, we have one we're going to use Warcry. It's also a shout, but not a defensive one. This gives us additional damage modify, uh, multiplier by 15%, and it also helps allies good in groups. It also grants us Berserking, which is something I kind of uh, sort of veered into. Uh, berserking will be relevant later, but Berserking does increase your movement speed, increases your damage output for four seconds. Um, but that can be extended. It also grants us some for another source of fortify, which is great. And on this node here is where I have, I actually swapped out to movement speed, uh, because I don't really recommend it early game, but an end game when I'm, and I'm racing and I'm trying to do a lot of content, you'll see just how much of a race car that I'm able to turn my character into using, uh, using swiftness however um, we also have some other passives on here these are pretty critical and as you can see we're using one two three shouts and a, you know this isn't a shout and a defensive skill but these three shouts do more functions thanks to these nodes here um so first of all we extend the duration by 24 percent so again that's more unstoppable that's more um uptime on gaining fury uh, and that's more, well, it's not more berserking. Doesn't really have an effect on, on this, uh, except for the increased damage output on its baseline ability. Um, raid leader heals. If you're playing solo, it still affects you, uh, but healing allies is nice, but these are heals. You, you know, tap all three and you've got 9% of your health returned to you. Um, this can actually, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's actually quite a bit, um, especially because as we have cooldown reductions for these uh, later in the build, um, you'll have quick access to, to healing, self-healing. Um, this is just a single point I put in here just to contribute a little bit, but it's kind of a floating point. Shout skills cause enemies to deal four less damage, so you can just tack on an extra 4%. Uh, that's probably not the exact formulation, but that's the general idea. More damage reduction. Um, I got a floating point here in Pit Fighter. Again, it's something that could go there. I just kept it there because it was working and I didn't have a place I'd rather put it. That's Pit Fighter's 3% increased damage to close enemies, 2% distant damage reduction. Pretty small, but um, yeah, that's where I got a point. Uh, now, this is a key level for the build towards endgame. You put one point in hamstring. So your bleeding effects, your bleeding effects slow enemies by 10%. So there are damage types that do damage versus bleeding, or sorry, versus slowed targets. And as you can see here, we spec'd out Whirlwind uh, to uh, 
establish 40% of its base damage as bleeding. So whenever you connect with the whirlwind, you're also not only getting a bleed effect, you're getting a slow effect. And you won't even notice it. 10% is hardly noticeable. Maybe you'll notice it. I didn't really notice it. Um, but make no mistake, uh, for as long as it has bleeding and you'll see it on the health bar, it also has slow, which means you'll also get any damage versus slow bonuses on gear as well. Uh, next, uh, early on, I actually pumped a lot of points into this, but uh, thick skin, you just got to put a point in here so you can get the next node. Um, so I just drop one in here. Um, when you take damage, you're going to get a bit of temporary health damage. Uh, it's barely noticeable, but it is it, a little bit here and there all add up, so it's not terrible. Um, Counter-offensive, I actually removed a point to swap it somewhere else, I think, at some point, but I had this maxed out as I was building the skill tree. Um, when you have fortify over 50% of your max life, you deal more damage. And dealing more damage is always nice. Um, okay, uh, that will increase our whirlwind. Uh, lastly, and you know, I muddled around with a lot of this. Uh, I did have um, early on, I'd say in the early 50s, 60s, I didn't use Wrath of the Berserker, only when I felt I could remove the points here because I had healing from other sources in the Paragon board and other defenses that I remove it. Um, so I would go here first. And this is one point in there and then three points in here uh, so that um, whenever you're spending your whirlwind mana, you're also your rage. I keep calling it mana. You're also getting your um, you're getting some self healing. This helps for your sustain as you spin to win on people's faces and they, of course, fight back at you. Uh, but currently, as, as you know, I would say level 70 plus, I started leading into Wrath of the Berserker. Wrath of the Berserker uh, is pretty much the same sort of flavor as what you'd have in d3 um you know you knock some people back uh, you get berserking and you get unstoppable for five seconds and over the next 10 seconds when you deal direct damage with your basic skills which i don't have any equips so it doesn't apply you can reapply berserking however there's other reasons why you would still want to have this button uh, just getting you into unstoppable is good that's more unstoppable uptime no cc um, it's also grants you the berserk berserking effect, which is 25% increased damage, which it's great. That means you're going to be throwing out more damage while this is while, while any time while, well, no, while berserking is up, but it's another way to trigger berserking. In addition to the war cries, so you have two sources of berserking now and, um, the movement speed. I mean, sometimes when I'm doing health tides, I'll just proc wrath of the berserker just to run faster. So I don't have to mount. And, you know, sometimes I'll use it for that uh, if I really want to get somewhere. Um, the other thing that's good to note is while Wrath of the Berserker is active, we gain increased another 20% movement speed and fury generation, which is absolutely what we want for 10 seconds. Uh, more uptime as we whirlwind. Uh, it's pretty good in that case as well. Um, so the extra 25%, though, 20% move speed buffs up the movement speed to 35. And you start feeling it, especially when you see the items I'm about to show you. Um, lastly, for the key passive, core skills deal 135 increased damage times. So it's, we multiply by 135, but they cost 100 more fury. This was kind of hard to spec into when it first became available because it didn't have the resource generation. So... I actually had it under unconstrained 
uh, for a time being. And it just means your Berserk lasts five seconds longer and the damage bonus is greater. You'll feel that even if it has low uptime. Um, I wouldn't really use Walking Arsenal. and uh, But, you know, Bleed, maybe Bleed is okay. It's just you're not going to be overpowering, so why do that? Um, so that's basically the skill selection for the for Endgame that I had. And notably, I also wanted to point out that you can, uh, when you do this, you can pick your weapons on Warrior. I think you pick it on all classes, but it's really relevant on Warrior because you have three options usually, unless it specifies it has to be a certain type. Whirlwind can use any of them. You'll want to be using a two-handed slashing sword for it because, again, we want swords to proc the bleeding. You don't want to be using any other weapons, so click that middle mouse button I have here. Move it over to the slashing weapon. Um, as you can see, the rest are shouts. I don't even have a basic attack equipped. I have the war cry on the left button because I feel it's the less hotly used. Um, I like to have my oh shit buttons on ZXCV. I know those are weird uh, buttons to have, but that's, it's next to the shift, so I can shift click them. Um, that's just where I like to have them. Now, uh, so we clarified, you have no, no, no other uh, weapons to assign to anything. However, and this is important, as you're leveling, you're going to want to have Lunging Strike, and you're going to want to assign this to another weapon, even just to farm this. So the way expertise, so the way expertise work is, you practice, it's like Skyrim, like you practice with a weapon, you get better at it. Um, for the build, you're going to want, you're going to, you're going to, pick the one you have to pick which one you're focused which one bonus initial bonus is going to carry over to the item you're using so for example i'm using a two-handed sword so i don't have to pick this to get this benefit when i'm using a two-handed sword i'm going to deal 20 percent of direct damage inflicted as bleeding damage so more bleeding sources for me and then if I have it selected, I'm going to deal 30% increased bleeding damage for five seconds after killing an enemy. I don't think I get the secondary, because I think it's just the first. Because so, And I say that because if you look at two-handed axe, I get 50% increased damage to vulnerable enemies. We haven't talked about vulnerable yet, but that's when the status bar goes purple. Um, so we want to train up the axe so that we increase our vulnerable chance. And as you can see here, I'm what you do is you pick the technique, okay? And then I'm gonna give it to my two-handed sword. You see, I'm equipped two-handed sword. On this, I pick two-handed sword. So I, I pick which weapon I wanna confer the benefit and at the level that it's at. At rank 10, you get two benefits. So 15% increased damage to vulnerable enemies, 10% increased critical strike chance to vulnerable enemies. And we want to give, we want to gift that. Well, we can't gift the second one, as you see here, it's when using any weapon, 15% increased damage. We want to gift that two-handed expertise to the two-handed sword that we're using. So they get this benefit and then they get that benefit on top of it. And that's sort of how expertise works. Okay, onto the um, onto the build we have here. Um, pretty much, this has stayed the same. I settled it in Endgame, maybe about the midway, and it hasn't changed too much. Once I got the first uniques, which dropped quite a bit, I don't know what the drop rates are now. I know they're patching and hot fixing things. I haven't seen, I haven't seen a rage of Harrogath in quite some time, but I've had a ton of stuff drop. If you look at my inventory. There's a ton of uniques. I've got three frost burns. Sorry, four frost burns. 
I got a bunch of like penitent greaves, 1000 steps. I found like I, I've, I've shredded a bunch of these. I actually had like five overkills, four or five. And so I've seen the same ones over and over again, but I haven't seen one of these in a long time. Anyway, so under the build, um, equipment wise, before we get into Paragon, um, oops, I closed that. I need to close that. All right, so um, it's a whirlwind build. This key aspect here, whirlwind periodically pulls enemies to you. If you've played Monk, it's like Tempest Rush uh, build. Um, you know, it doesn't proc very often, but when it procs, it's very useful. It brings all the enemies in a short range to you so you can whirlwind them down. Uh, this is a key unique item for the shouts, up to 30% chance on a lucky hit to reduce cooldowns of your non-ultimate skills about 1.5 seconds when you inflict bleeding on elites. We're inflicting a lot of bleeding. So, and that, that means your shout cooldowns will get reduced even more. And importantly on my helmet, I also have 14.6 cooldown reduction, which I specifically uh, fished for. It's a max roll. Also really high item level, which I got lucky on um as well uh so you know getting that cooldown is important the stats on this you want to roll them high but unfortunately on uniques you kind of just have to deal with what's on them and shore up the deficiencies elsewhere same with gore's devastating grips basically this again is like the water rune on tempest rush for monk you hold it down with that one, it's just how long you hold it down for, and then when you release, you do a splash AoE of, of up to 100 stacks multiplied by the weapon damage. In this, it's how much base damage is dealt to surrounding enemies. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the total of base damage, so if you kind of are whirlwinding and not doing any damage, you won't get much effect out of this. Even on a single target, it won't do much. It'll do 22% of a normal hit. So you really, really got a lot of benefit in, in groups with that. I was kind of thinking of replacing it, but then I kept getting better item levels, but I think you could run a whirlwind build probably without this. No problem. All right, we move on to defensive gear. Sorry, excuse me. This video is going way long. <laughs> I talked a lot. Um, this imprint is iron skin. It grants unstoppable. Uh, the key here, it does some damage reduction, which is also nice for sure. I'll take it, but it's uh, iron skin granting unstoppable. It's another CC break. The key thing to keep in mind is if you're at full HP, you can't press the button. So what'll normally happen is you'll be at full HP, you'll get frozen, and you go, oh no, my hardcore character is about to die. You gotta be ready to take that first hit and time it right. You take that first hit, then you click it and you're free from CC and you get a shield. But um, yeah, just it's important to understand it functions that way. Now, another key feature on this pants that I haven't seen very much of is plus 37.5 damage for four seconds after killing an elite. That's huge. You get your first elite down, you'll burn the other ones faster. Um, this is a critical part of what I was looking for there. The rest of the stats, I could really take it or leave it. They help the Paragon board. They're nothing really incredible. Boots, these are illusory boots from D3, basically, except they have a condition now. You have to be unstoppable. And then if you're unstoppable for four seconds, while you're unstoppable for four seconds after, you get an increased movement speed. We love it. So I already have 21.8 additional movement speed. So we're getting 31.8. I don't know what the cap is. Um, so I don't know when I'm hitting it. We're getting movement speed from our shouts. We're trucking fast. 
Um, and that's going to help us with our clearing and, and the key strategy to leveling fast, and especially in night, hell, in hell tides. Dungeon clears are one thing. Um, it's like doing Nephilim Rifts fast, but the actual Helltide content really made a difference. Me being able to not have to mount up to get around quickly and to go ravaging the countryside for decent XP, for really good XP. Uh, the best XP per hour I was able to achieve on myself. Um, so, yeah, you get on stops and move speed. That's not really the key feature. The key feature is really moving through enemies. That helps you escape danger when you get surrounded by enemies and it's hard to get out. You don't ever got to worry about that shit. You just walk straight through them. Notable key uh, thing on a boots is you want fury cost reduction as well. So not only are we trying to increase our fury generation, we're trying to reduce the costs. I mean, it's the same as other uh, Diablo ARPG games. We want to reduce costs, increase generation. So I got a pretty good roll on that. And then finally, this last one is additive. If there is a cap, this definitely goes over the cap. Plus 40% movement speed for 4 seconds after killing an elite. So if you're going through a nightmare dungeon, hunting down elites, killing them quickly, moving on to the next pack, this is real nice little jet engine that you can keep up. It gets you trucking in like insane. And I like that, especially out in the open world, but there aren't as many elites. The elite density in, in Helltides isn't that relevant. It's more for nightmare dungeons. Alright, move on to the rings. Uh, I put this armor on, I put this armor increase on the um, amulet because it actually has a 50% bonus. So I get up to 75% more armor than my baseline of 7,500. Um, this is actually probably, my build's probably getting on the weakest side. Like I certainly can't push past 100, but I was racing to 100. And this did the job. Uh, survival being, again, a priority for me and my damage coming from elsewhere. I decided to opt for the putting on this um armor is also just generally more value than resistance uh crip has a video on it i'm not going to get into it here i mean there is value to resistance it's just having a lot of armor can shore up a lot of that weakness so it's, this is a great that's a great aspect finally the one key thing i have on here is I, on an amulet is the fury cost reduction i got a really i got a max roll on a fury cost reduction that's what i was looking for so that in tandem with the uh the boots you know gives me like 30 percent from items 33 very good very good indeed the resist all is nice and um you know damage with dual wield weapons unfortunately is wasted but i wasn't able to find a better fury cost reduction i was able to re-roll rank one of all defensive skills and that was helpful that's something you can find on an amulet and that helps your uh, skill tree here and even with the additional one, I took out some points to drop them elsewhere. Um, just to balance things out. Um, okay. Next up are rings. <coughs> I mean, I don't, I wasn't really super impressed with my rings. I tried to get damage where I could on them. I got crit strike, crit damage, vulnerable damage. Vulnerable and crit strike multiply. They're not additive to each other. So I'll talk about it mainly on weapons because it's harder to find on the other items, but getting crit strike, getting crit damage and vulnerable damage on a single item. Very good. Uh, plus 12 damage, 17 to bleeding enemies, obviously very good. But, um, here I'm, you know, again, the main takeaway from these rings is just 
so I can put these aspects on them. And these aspects are uh, cooldown reduction friendly or generation. This one gives uh, your shout skills generate four fury uh, per second while active. So press the buttons and get, get fury. Um, whenever you cast a shout, its cooldown is reduced by 1.6. So, you know, you can think about which one you want to press first in order to think about which cooldown you likely want to have, you know, reduced. When you press the first one, the second one will reduce the first one. And the third one might reduce the first or second one. <clears throat> oh no, I'm thinking of a different ability. Sorry. This one, it benefit. It totally reduces the cooldown up to six seconds. So cast them while enemies are around. Sorry, I misunderstood that. Or I understood it, but I misexplained it. Uh, we move on to weapons. So my, the, we're going to see here, I've got a two-handed sword. And two one-handed blades. Why? So if you look at where the damage is, it says 2,524 damage per second, damage per hit, attacks per second. That next thing, I think it's called an inherent roll. That's always the same based on the weapon type. So a mace might be, an axe is, um, what is it, to healthy enemies. A mace, I think, is overpower damage. Sword's always critical strike. So I'm getting critical strike damage, which is what I want by equipping swords. I also definitely want a two-hander on the uh, two-handed sword because of what we did with whirlwind and the skill tree. Um, and after that, I was shopping for what I call God, God configurations or God rolls. Uh, this ultimately doesn't have it. Um, but, uh, you know, it has the vulnerable damage, ultimate effects, wrath of the berserker, uh, damage to bleeding is okay. I would be hoping for some crit, but I rolled strength on it and that's good enough. Strength is also helpful to have for damage, but, uh, certainly my one handers had what I was looking for. Um, so I've got crit vulnerable and core and strength crit vulnerable damage to slowed enemies again, you know, equivocal. I had to re-roll for the vulnerable on this one and re-roll for the vulnerable on that one. I found vulnerable was one of the rarest ones to get. <coughs> you don't often see vuln and crit on the same items. So, um, yeah, this uh, key element of the whirlwind build, critical strike chance is increased by 16% for each second. It's channeled up to 48%. That means you got a really high crit chance. You're going to be critting a lot. You'll also note the gem slots, uh, crit strike damage to vulnerable enemies. We're making enemies vulnerable. We want to increase the critical strike damage we do to them, multiplying that shit altogether. Um, okay. Whirlwind leaves behind dust devils that deal. So this was more of a cute one because I was uh, in some narrow, I was farming like some narrow dungeons and I wanted to, to pop that on. But I had another sword here that I was using. As, I had a few other items I was using, not just that one. Um, so I got this one I'll show you. And <coughs> it's another one-hander. Mm, this one. So this would have synergized nicely, synergized nicely with, a pa with pants I was looking for, Temerity. But I didn't find them. But still, it's good to throw on there. This is a max roll. If I have a barrier active, 25% multiplier on damage output. Seems good. Um, unfortunately, I f was finding as I grew higher, the barrier's only on for five seconds. So I'm getting a whole ability just for five seconds of uptime. And it's not a button I wanted to press on cooldown necessarily. So I, d I decided for the tornadoes and they worked out pretty good. In narrow s situations. Uh, on this one, I have the, um, 
Skills deal up to 20% increased damage based on the amount of primary resource cast. So you get 20% when your rage bar is full. You get zero right now when it's empty as a multiplier. This was actually broken for five days of me playing, and I didn't find out till just today when a dev tweeted it out <laughs> that I'd been using it. I wish I had known I would have swapped off. Uh, but that's fine. We got I got to 100 anyways. Lastly, um, another item I picked up off Killing the Butcher one time. I think it's a pretty rare drop, although I ended up overall, I think, with three drops of this. Um, this weapon's actually kind of baller. Um, so if you're worried about incoming damage, defense is one way to keep it from you, but another way to keep the damage from you is to, um, well, ground control them. And this has... This is a, it's a good roll on his item, up to 75% chance, sorry, up to 100% chance, which is, means it's going to determine the chance between 0 from 100 each time. And if you do hit, lucky hit, then you'll fear them, and they will walk slower for 4 seconds, which is an eternity in Diablo. It's a really long time. In fact, it's kind of hard to whirlwind them when they're walking away. It's the only disadvantage of this. But it hits very reliably, and when you're smashing on an elite, it kills all their affixes. So if you've got like fire or ice bullshit going around or poison, you whack them with it, they got nothing. They start walking away in fear. It's great crowd control weapon, and especially if you're playing in a hardcore mode where you're trying to reduce the amount of incoming damage, you're not just taking them out of the fight for basic attacks or whatever, you're taking their elements out. Very good against elites. And um, I often was debating, like, certainly if I knew this was disabled, I would have swapped that in, no problem. Um, it's got good affixes, too, in terms of in terms of critical strike damage and critical strike chance for open opener attacks. Like, it's, it's good. You have plenty of crit on here anyways, like 48% plus whatever you have inherently. Right, I've got 27 crit chance plus the extra 48 on the max roll, you know, like... You know, do I really need more crit chance? Like, whatever. But still, it's nice. You know, it's still, for the crack control, this is a good defensive weapon. Very strong. I liked it. I played it with it a lot. But um, I thought this weapon, I thought this affix, was, this aspect was working, and it turns out it wasn't. Uh, lastly, we've got the, um, the mace, which saw zero use, except when you press one as a barbarian. <laughs> so I didn't end up leveling it up from pressing one on the horse. Uh, this one here is just each point of fury you generate while at maximum grants your next core skill force. So as you're world winning and now your rage is infinite, uh, you're just building up more power for the next one. So you store it up like in a battery. It's a buff on your hot bar. And you damage a multiplier up to 60% for even more damage. Uh, same thing here. Vulnerable crit strike damage to slowed enemies. All good multipliers in different buckets. Brings damage out. And I opted for all stats on this because I needed it for the Paragon board. All right, um, that's itemization. A bit quick note on the gems. Uh, armor is king. There are many ways to increase resistances. I just found increasing armor to be more effective. Uh, I think resistance might be broken or just not working great. And it's certainly not clear. Let me take a sidestep out. I'm on world tier four right now, <clears throat> which means to start with, I have a negative, um, I should have a negative 40% penalty for being on the tier to damage resistances. Also, the way it's been explained in several videos I've watched, damage reduction um, 
that you take the income, say the incoming damage is 100, you take that number and divide it by, well, 50% of that number, that 100, is reduced by your armor reduction, which again, if you look at your character sheet, and I'm, I may have this wrong, this is my, you know, is 63%, like, so I've reduced one half with armor by 63% with the armor contribution I have. And then with resistances, and this is where it gets confusing, you know, say it's a f incoming fire damage. Well, you would think, okay, so I'm going to reduce the other half by 36%. But then I read this tooltip and it says, so my resistance score is 36.5%, but then it says reduces incoming fire damage by 18.2%. And then I'm going, does, well, does that number even factor in the negative 40? So the reason I came here was because... Monsters overcome 40% resistance. So is that pre-calculated in my sheet or not? I just found it very, like, annoying to... Very unclear and annoying to try and decipher. Because I have 50... Like, I have 35 fire resistance right there. Uh, uh, right? So I'm getting another 1.5 from God knows where, where else. Somewhere. I don't, I don't know what would be given that to me. So I just had a real hard time uh, understanding resistance. They need to work on this and make it clear and fix the mechanic if it isn't working properly. <coughs> All that to say is I put armor gems in here. It's just effective. Now, a lot of people doing the whirlwind builds, I see put red gems in. Red increases your life. Uh, I put 10% damage reduction while control impaired. This includes stuns, and as a whirlwinding barbarian... You're going to be whirlwinding into shitstorms a lot. Um, and this sort of goes down to my notes on hardcore play. I just made a few notes about, like, I find hardcore in Diablo, like in 3, and this true in 4, I think, as well. Kills you in very specific ways. It's not like some back-and-forth battle that of attrition you finally go out. I don't think anyone dies that way that much uh, where it's epic and dramatic. It, it, these, these are the ways you die. One, you have a lack of macro or micro, sorry, like your skill at just APM, like push, pressing buttons, doing that is just really, really bad. So it's difficult. So you may die to just confusion or misclicks, etc. Which, you know, I think if you're at that skill level, you're probably not doing hardcore. But for the rest uh, who have a good ability with that, you're dying to stun lock, which is just chain CC while you get wailed on for too long. Um, that's bad. And so on the Barbarian, I have several tools to grant me unstoppable. You know, I got Wrath. Well, Wrath I don't think is castable while stunned, but still Wrath to pre... If I want to run into some CC, I can put Wrath on and do it. But it's mainly Iron Skin, as long as I have health damage and Rally and Cry. But again, I might have pressed those, and sometimes they're on cooldown, but what's nice about the lowered cooldown reduction is you don't have to wait that long until they come off cooldown, and you're probably going to be okay because you're taking 50% less damage while you're in the stun state, which is why I take those gems. Uh, the other way you're going to die is AoE Spam Burst, which you just got to know, you got to recognize the signs and get the hell out. Um... And then, of course, inattention and laziness. I, myself, stood in a mortar uh, thing by accident, went down to 10% health during this run in the high-level 70s. Not smart at all. And then, of course, there's lag connection issues, game bugs. That's not in your control, but it happens and it sucks. All right. So that's why, anyways, I opted because I can combat stun lock 
with these items, and it proved to be very effective. I, there were several times I was stun locked sitting in 15 different types of damage, and my health bar was melting, but not melting fast enough that I couldn't wait for a button to come off cooldown and save myself. Or pop a scroll of escape, although I never really did that during one of those scenarios. Most, uh, uh, the abilities we have uh, worked well enough. Uh, finally, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, it's just to talk about the Paragon boards. I followed Rob's, uh, Rob 2628's pattern somewhat, but I started to go off in creative ways. It's just too much fun kind of trying to plot a course. In fact, I probably wasted a lot of time in my run just sort of thinking about it. It's basically his boards. You know, the first glyph here I'm using is uh, increased uh, damage with a sword. Um, this is kind of, I swapped this in early. I wouldn't recommend going as a first one on this one. I moved things around in order to optimize my damage output as I got close to 100, something you might do later, but that is a glyph I was using. I think one of the first glyphs I used was um, this one, I believe. Or was it? Uh... Yeah, so the two priority glyphs anyways are, is this one Marshall? And basically you want to have enough requirements within range, the 40 strength nodes selected. After casting a shout skill, the active cooldown of every other shout is reduced by 1.2 seconds. So we got even more cooldown reduction on the shouts. So they come off cooldown fast. Uh, that's important. It's less of a whirlwind build and more of a shout build, to be honest. You could, I think there's builds where you could keep the shout package intact and run a different core skill, like Hammer of the Ancients or something like that. That's probably possible. Um, I think for a while, actually, I had the shout package and I was using Rend and Rupture with Lunging Strike. And I had, you know, two shouts, I think, maybe, or three. Um, that's possible. The other glyph uh, to use here that is very important to this build is Exploit. If you meet the additional requirements, um, when an enemy is damaged by you, they become vulnerable for three seconds. This kind of happened more than once every 20 seconds per enemy. Vulnerable's really important. Vulnerable is how we get our extra vulnerable damage onto targets. And I wonder if we talked about it on this list. I know we talked about bleeding. We didn't really talk about vulnerable. And I actually missed, I missed a key thing. So hopefully you watched this far. I'm already an hour into this damn thing. Uh, <laughs> all right, your core skills have a 30% chance to make enemies vulnerable for two seconds. This is important as well. This is how you, you know, as you continually whirlwind on their, their face, you add your vulnerable multipliers into the damage equation and really start chunking, chunking them. But this Paragon node, which you'll want to get first or second, will, in, will guarantee it, but for three seconds. And then you got to wait another 20 seconds before it can happen again. <clears throat> or 17 seconds. I didn't time it, but I'm just going to assume 20. All right, and other glyphs that I used here uh, that I liked was just this one. Um, skills that critically strike generate three fury. That's the additional thing. So not only does this increase the core thing, but we have yet another way when we get crit strikes, which are really easy to get, keeps us flowing in fury. And then lastly, um, for major nodes, uh, major glyphs, I took disembowel. Um, I don't know if I love this one, but this was the last glyph I needed. Uh, so we have lots of bleeding enemies. If I kill it, then I'm, my shouts are... It's a 10% chance. It's nothing hot, but... You know, if I can reduce their cooldown any further, great. And then this deals an additional 7.6. I might swap it out with something else. I wasn't fully convinced of this one, but I, 
at that point i was above level 80 or 90 and i was just grinding to the end game good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow i don't got days to to plan this thing out um and now if you look at major nodes the major nodes this was a huge one to get um for every 75 pure you spend gain 12 your maximum life is fortify it's effectively really quickly doubles as you spend Fury doubles your health pool, and it makes you feel that much safer. So when you get chunked for 30% of your life, you realize, oh, that was fortify and health. That was a lot of damage. It's a good thing. It's good to be a barb. And finally, Decimator, also very good. Two-handed slashing weapons. Again, another reason why sword is important. Have an 8% chance to make enemies vulnerable. So now we have another vulnerable proc for a vulnerable bucket of, of, of damage to be multiplied. Um, this one, uh, so this is, if you look, if, if you track things through, I started here, went over here. And as I got into here, I noticed there was a berserking package and, um, I actually quite enjoy the berserking. So the blood rage killing a bleeding enemy has 10% chance, 10% chance to grant berserking. So not only have two sources of berserking, I also have random berserks that could probably come up. And um, these nodes are interesting. You can increase the duration and the damage output. So not only am I doing 25%, but I've effectively got, you know, an additional 45, I think, uh, on on this as well. And the duration has been increased. So, you know, with 30% uh, increased duration, if it's five seconds, then maybe we're doing it for seven, between seven and eight seconds. That just increases berserking uptime, increases your movement speed, so you can run around like a crazy person. Now, another keynote that reminded me of um, uh, Diablo 3 is damage to elites increase. There was that gem that increases damage that was very powerful to get early on in like the early torments. Helps you clear the elites. This is also is pretty effective. Um, and I have it so much, I have it in two nodes, as well as, um, I oh, I'm going to pop that in there. Um, 14 movement speed for four seconds after killing an elite. So not only do I have movement speed after killing an elite in my Paragon board, I've also got on, I've got 40 here and I've got another, you know, uh, what is this? Uh, 14, another 28 here, 68, like you're really motoring. And I don't think, I think that hits a separate cap all of its own. And then of course, um, well, there's no movement speed here, but I do have, more damage to bleeding elites here in this corner as well. But uh, this this note here was really interesting. Um, it was a big power jump handling elites at the level I was at. And um, I would go for that as soon as possible. Uh, and don't be shy to go one direction. And then when you have the nodes, then go that and fill it out that way. Do what you need to do. It's kind of creative. Uh, another little thing to note here. Hungering Fury... Plus two Fury on kill, plus one Fury on kill on this board over here. Um, definitely a key feature, I think, of what we were doing. The rest is just vulnerable stuff. Like, I think some of these stuff you'll make decisions about what sounds like a good DPS increase for your build. Uh, that's overall, that's the A to Z, I think, of the build. I don't think I missed much else. I had, you know, um, like I said, on, the, on this little thing here, I had my Death Evasion and Scrolls of Escape. Uh, as well as Curative Elixir, which is the last one I didn't talk about earlier. That grants you Unstoppable. It's a self-cleanse. I never really had to do it because I had so many cleanse baked into my character. A situation never presented itself where it had to come up. 
And uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's basically what I was working towards, even from the early stages. So it's not exactly the build that I don't know what Rob ended up doing, but he ended up going softcore. He was the first in softcore to reach level 100. I don't think he got all the items he planned out in his video, but it was some variation likely on that. <clears throat> and there you go. I got some death evasion. I'm just going to pop one now so I don't actually get popped because the... Uh, Wait, is the Helltide open? Helltide's not even open. All right, so I just wanted to give you a sense of what the movement speed felt like, so I might just do an easy Nightmare Dungeon real quick. <clears throat> or, yeah, let's just do, like, our lowest level Nightmare Dungeon, just so you can get a sense of the speed. All right, we go, uh, map. Of course, it's the longest walk ever. But even on the walk there, you'll get a sense of it. Actually... Oh, I should equip the, um, I should equip the butcher's weapon. Well, no, actually this, 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 oh, I do have it. All right. We'll try both. So let's just go. Sorry. I'm trying to make this quick cause I don't want to do editing. <laughs> I'm just going to get rid of what, what the crap my inventory here. Oh, yeah, and uh, when you have max rawhide of 10,000, you can't carry it anymore. It just drops on the ground. That's why you're seeing all that rawhide on the ground. Not being foolish. But, yeah, like, my horse now feels slow. I'm actually, like, and it navigates around invisible walls kind of poorly, whereas walking works better. So I'm just going to see, wait till we find some enemies here. All right, you won't beat that speed, the charge speed, but that has charges. Sometimes you bump into, like, enemies and it's kind of annoying. You'd rather just kill them. Especially if they're worth some XP. So let's see here. There we go. Alright, you spin around and you spin to win. I'm just pressing right-click right now because these enemies are... Oh, goodbye. Alright, but, um, so one of the things, ways you can... If you see the movement speed like this, hang on. Did I run a little, yeah, I took a wrong turn, didn't I? All right, sorry, everyone. Taking the scenic route. All right, so, but you can press, war, I would often just press war cry. Look at that movement speed. Now I'm getting the bonus movement speed from the war cry. And also I just have a flat 30. That's pretty fast. You can proc Wrath of the Berserker also to run fast. And you'll run fast. If you do both, you'll get even more speed. And look, I already have this one off cooldown. And I'm running fast again. Now, these guys are very weak, so they're just melting. Um, but some of the content you might want to do might be at level because it's faster to farm. And those are elite. So now I've got elite movement. I'm running at, like, maximum speed here. Those purple guys, I think, are considered elites because I've noticed movement speed buffs from them. Sometimes there's one around here, but I don't see it. Oh, see now I got crowd controlled. There. Uh, I press iron skin and I'm free. And that spider web again. I won't get stopped in it. I'm unstoppable. And it even got cleared. Alright, now if you want to see how the cleaver works. Okay, these guys die too fast. There. No, it's not fear. I'm not gonna be able to fear these guys. I'm just gonna kill them too fast. 
but we'll try to see if I can't see a skull on someone. You'll see a little skull over their head when they're feared. <clears throat> but I found it particularly useful for the packs. I think I'm going to melt everything in this dungeon, though. Ever since they re-enabled that aspect this today, I've noticed, like, when I was out testing... Yeah, like, look how fast you can run through a dungeon doing this. I need more fury. I'm not ready. Oh shit, I'm about to die, dude. Alright, I'll take it seriously and just try to clear it quickly, but... It may not be worth a lot of XP, but you get a you get a quick clear in, and certainly when you're running through content at 100, even if it's not going that quick, you'll still traverse things quickly. So a lot of players were talking about, I want high density dungeons and opportunities. Um, it's not necessarily required. Uh, if you can if you can move fast, density doesn't matter. All right, so they're immune to fear. That's why that's not working. I'm letting myself get pretty low. Oh, actually pretty annoying. Oh, she's feared. You see how she's walking away? She's like facing away. Well, she was facing away. Pretty sure that's what was happening. I'm out of fury. This guy's doing. There, she's feared. She got the skull. She's walking away. Now she's not casting any of her bullshit. I find these bubbles a little wonky, though. Go, go, go. Anyways, I think this gives you an idea. I don't need to play at the whole level of uh, the amount of movement speed that you can have with those affixes if you go hunting for them. I think they're very valuable for your XP farm. I think mounting's awkward and not as fun, especially... Oh, see? He's walking away. He's feared. So he's not doing any of his bullshit. I can clear minions if I want. I can just focus him down. He even died. I mean, I'm, I'm four levels above him, so I think he just died to the bleed. There's another little skull. There's a skull on that guy, and then he just dies to the vulnerable. Up to a 100% chance. It procs a lot. There's one there. I'm out of fury. Not playing so badly, but I haven't been up for 48 hours, so that's my excuse. Uh, Alright, we gotta give all the anime back. Alright, I'll just proc even Wrath. Yeah, it's a. F oh no, I got trolled. Alright, I think we'll be okay. Ooh. All right, we heal up. Good, isn't it? Don't worry, I do have a cheat death on, so if I did, if I did f up there, there you go. He ran away towards the end, but, but yeah. Again, it, what, it, oh shit! I'm gonna beat the butcher with his own weapon. So, the other thing that's great about the Butcher 
uh, cleaver that I'm using <clears throat> is it it probably doesn't sta he doesn't he doesn't stagger very easy but you see I'm actually building up stagger on most bosses it works incredibly effectively ow alright so the barrier absorbed most of that I was able to proc it before uh, anything terrible happened Nope. Get some buddies over here. They're all these guys. Look at all the fear. Oh, shit. Break the CC. Right away. I had health damage, so iron skin works. And he's dead. And there you go. I guess I gotta kill two favored, and I don't kill any of them. Alright, we're basically almost done, so let's just finish up the level here. If they have bleed, maybe you don't finish them off. I'm low on fury. I'm not ready. Probably gonna do so much damage that you don't need with the, the stuff you don't need the, uh, the stun here. So let me switch back to the other weapon. Again, it's better with more damage output. We want the critical strike on the blade. Goodbye, everyone. Backtracking always sucks in a dungeon. There was lots of complaints about it. Being able to move fast. Uh, once you have your, you know, you know what you're doing in a dungeon. Uh, you, you just want to get through it quickly. Having the, the move speed on elites proc. Look at that. We're going fast. Get another pack of elites. Keep going. This one kind of sucks because our little lightning buddy is going to be annoying. Oh. Now you even get a little bit of move speed from berserking. And you know, true spin to win fashion, if you do have to hang around somewhere. Well, it's totally doable. Forty-four seconds, I'm trying to make a video game. No, oh, there's still some alive here. So, in particular, once you've built up this amount, you can farm these curses quite effectively if the spawn spawn is good. This isn't really that dense or good, but... Oh, 
gonna take this. Truck real fast, going where we want to go. Don't worry about. You could spin to win past those guys if you wanted, but if you just want to get the dungeon done, like I do, because this video is now an hour and twenty minutes, then uh, you do that. Well, maybe you get to the point where the map mechanics don't bother you that much. That's pretty much how it works. Anyways, uh, I probably went over this long. You probably didn't need to see all of that, but I had a good time talking about uh, what I uh, <laughs> had to had to do over 10 days straight of playing uh, Diablo 4. So this is kind of a good way to sort of recap, show and tell uh, what items I had, what aspects, what uh, the build ended up being. And, um, of course, if you have any questions, I think even the sun went down <laughs> during the time I recorded this video. <laughs> Uh oh, my heart character. Oh no, I'm safe. But I should head back. Hang on, let me just make sure that happens real quick. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go sleep now because I've been up for 48 hours, and that's probably why I didn't really think too hard about putting this, making this video short. All that to say, though, if you do have any questions, post them below in the YouTube comments. I do go through and read them. Um, if I can answer them for you, I will, at least in the next few days, if you're watching this months later, probably not, but yeah. All right. That's it for this video. Uh, since it's long enough, no weird thing at the end. Just thank you so much. If you were a um, supporter on the Twitch stream, I had record breaking, uh, views and subs, and that was a real delight for me. It kept me playing. Honestly, it was motivational and, um, and for all the people who, who just sent their support, their well wishes, their congratulations, I didn't think it mattered. I didn't think this was of interest as much as it seems to me. I know Blizzard releases are a hype game, but I was really grateful for all the uh, kind words and support. All right. Uh, now I will now send this to Scott, who can struggle with uploading it, okay? Bye, and see you on Core Thursday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.